Welcome to FedScoop's podcast series on IT modernization in government, underwritten this week by Hughes. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we're talking about how agencies can best prepare their networks to support a hybrid workplace. Our guest today is Tony Bardo, Assistant Vice President for Government Solutions at Hughes. He has over 36 years of experience supporting government telecommunications, and during his 15 years at Hughes, much of it has been related to emergency preparedness and response. Tony, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Wyatt. Happy to be here. Well, when agencies expanded remote work opportunities during the COVID-19 pandemic, they also initiated a sizable shift in their IT infrastructure investment strategies. Now, as agencies return to the office or work in a hybrid mode, mobility will become a key necessity for many agencies to continue to upgrade and maintain. Tony, I want to start by asking how new hybrid work demands are changing the way agency leaders will need to think about network resiliency when employees work from home? Well, there have been several instances and occurrences over over time where people say, well, this changed everything. The COVID-19 pandemic uh, significantly shifted the way people work. For some agencies, they're using this as an opportunity to welcome a more dispersed and hybrid workforce. But something that leaders may not have considered is how they ensure that their employees have reliable connections all the time from these various hybrid locations, including the home. Well, what are some of the top concerns that agency leaders should be thinking about now to ensure that network access for their remote workforce is working effectively? Well, consider the the contrast, Wyatt. In an office situation, if an employee's internet connection went down, they would be able to call the help desk and resolve the problem fairly quickly. But with home networks as the primary connection, organizations are now at the mercy of private service providers and their ability to respond to internet issues. Let's say, for example, you're an agency with 200 sites around the country and 10,000 employees. Well, with remote work, now the agency has 10,200 government sites that are residential homes, apartments, and so forth. These scenarios require network engineers and managers to look at the network resiliency through a new lens. The question becomes, are your carriers or prime contractors on the EIS network contract capable of supporting that kind of load and doing it without additional partners to pull it off. Well, how can agencies use the existing enterprise infrastructure solutions or EIS contract to ensure that their network is more resilient for a hybrid workforce, particularly as you say that uh, network has so much more expanded? Well, the way to connect to homes and get to these very much diverse and, and dispersed locations You've got to start deploying broadband to get to the the infrastructure that supports residential homes and so forth. And that can come in many forms. It can come in in the form of cable connections, satellite connections, DSL, and so forth. And you've got to employ the various combination of technologies to complete the connecting of all those various dots. So it really requires that that the EIS primes use, of course, their own wonderful capabilities that, that enabled them to win the contract in the first place. But secondly, to figure out how do you complement, supplement those capabilities with the number of different opportunities to connect using the greater broadband network, the greater internet connection. And then secondly, how do you support all those various sites 
And you do that by using the various partners that are available to do that as subcontractors to complete the network, to complete the whole management philosophy of a network that's that big, that wide, that vast, and probably surpasses the capability of what would be considered traditionally a a more normal corporate network or agency network that is two, three, four, five hundred sites, sometimes at most. But certainly there are exceptions to that. You know, there's bigger networks like the Department of Agriculture's network and so forth and Homeland Security. But by and large, these sites are just the right size for a corporate enterprise network. You start expanding this to agency uh, employees' homes. It's quite a different ballgame. How can agencies lean on their managed service providers or use them more effectively and work with partners to help them rethink a hybrid-friendly network environment? Bring them in early in the planning. Bring them in early when you're proposing to an agency through a task order fair opportunity. The concern I have is that I don't know that the agencies are asking for those services in that way. Yeah, it's still early. They haven't really assessed yet. Is everybody back to work? Is everybody coming to work? Are they coming to work in the same offices and the same locations? Have they figured out their spacing requirements now that the uh, Delta variant has, has introduced a new wrinkle in all of this? Are people socially distant? Are the cubicles being rearranged in offices and so forth? What's the division? Are you in the office two days a week, three days a week? And I don't think they've figured all that out out in their fair opportunities, asking for much larger, much more widely dispersed network connections that include the homes. And I don't know that we're there yet, but I I see it coming. I see these networks involving many more government quote unquote sites that now include not only the agency locations and offices, but also employees' homes. What recommendations would you leave with agency leaders to get started? For example, if they invited their partners in to have this discussion, what should they be asking and what should they be looking for? Well, the pandemic started sort of in the middle of the EIS movement. The contract was let out four years ago. It's still amazing that so many fair opportunities remain unawarded. Then, of course, there's the inevitable protest process that comes into play. And this is getting stretched out quite a bit. And while it's getting stretched out, new situations such as the Delta variant sort of reemerging and almost shutting things down again. Now's the time to to start to think about what what do the new hybrid deployments mean for network connections. During the initial stages of the pandemic, a number of people started working from their homes, using their home connection to connect into the networks. And now it's going to be more widespread probably than ever before as these policies become more standard, these hybrid network environments. And all of a sudden now you're putting that home worker in the place of network manager or IT help desk. All of a sudden now the employee is calling his or her own network provider's help desk and they'll say, well, for instance, uh, your router's down. We'll send you a new one. You should get it in about three days. That's the typical sort of home service arrangement that you get. You don't get a managed services contract with your home internet provider. This is where the difference comes in. This is where the involvement of a partner who is a network managed services provider to homes can really make a difference and sort of bridge that gap between home service and enterprise service 
which government agencies and government employees deserve when they're doing their work. So that's the, the next step that needs to come into play for agencies to think about and how are they going to implement that? What worked temporarily, and we're glad it was temporary during the initial stages of COVID-19, isn't a long-term solution, isn't the desirable solution to say, we've got to manage the whole network, including the home part of the network. So, Tony, just to follow up on that, what can agencies do to improve service to employees working from home? Is there an answer to that? There is. Why? Because really what you have is you call up cable company A and say, hey, you know, I want to have internet service and TV service, you know, at my home. You know, they'll send somebody out and install it and bring a router and make the connections and so forth. And they say, okay, see ya. Here's the 800 number to call if you have a problem. And so you pay a certain amount for that. Well, if that user was instead a remote office of government agency A, and government agency A has signed up for managed services for all of the agency's locations. Let's go back to that first agency that's got 200 sites, but 10,000 employees that work at those 200 sites. They're protected by an SLA that says you're going to respond within four hours, within eight hours, and restore service or else there are going to be penalties. So that SLA tightens things up, but the contracts that are let out today under the previous network's contract contract of the FTS 2001 before that and and now EIS that doesn't extend to to people's homes and it should now in the new environment as people start to not come into the office at all or come in only 2 days a week but the other 3 days of the week they're working from home and they can't survive with the we'll send you a router and you should have it in 3 days scenario they need a provider that's going to step up contractually, and that would be the EIS Prime. The EIS Prime is going to need help from partners to make those connections, reach those customers in time, have the workforce that's dispersed nationally. And not that the primes are not dispersed that way today, but there's just going to be so much more work, so much more coverage needed that probably isn't, isn't capable with the prime's own workforce. The agencies, when they issue a fair opportunity for a network to be designed and ultimately provided by the, the awarded contractor, they give the number of sites, the list of the sites, the addresses, and so forth, and they have to be priced, sometimes according to the location, and locations that are farther away are priced maybe a little differently and so forth, just to be able to uh, to make the connections work. But that may be hard when you don't have all your employees' addresses or, and you don't want to populate an RFP with 10,000 locations instead of the 200, by way of my example expressed earlier. But I think you can give some average prices so that the agency can budget accordingly and accommodate a network design and architecture that's much bigger than what, what was originally in, envisioned. The broadband connections that I'm speaking of that would likely be the connections to the homes are priced uh, much more cheaply than the dedicated network connections and access connections that were tied to the original agency locations. The broadband connections are much more cost-effective, giving much bigger bandwidth service plans for the price than the dedicated network 
networks ever were providing over time, over the last 20 years and so forth. So the agencies would stand to, under the original network design, save a lot of money, get much more bandwidth for much lower prices. Those savings can be used to extend the networks to the homes. And I couldn't say with any kind of certainty what those net prices would be, but I think you'd stand a lot better chance of fulfilling the need to connect those homes and those home workers far more effectively than you might have in the past with the new network technologies, the new internet capabilities that are now available to agencies, most of which can be used to connect the agency locations themselves instead of the old dedicated networks of the past. Well, those are some great points, Tony. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there for today, though. Tony Bardo, thanks so much for joining us to talk about preparing agency networks to support hybrid workplaces. Thanks very much, Wyatt. I enjoyed it. And thanks to Hughes for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our IT modernization in government series on fedscoop.com and our FedScoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash. Thanks for tuning in.